0: The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Church, let's take our Bibles this morning, if you would, and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3. If you're looking for that... um, uh, there's a pew Bible in front of you if you don't have one, and if you kind of let the Bible fall open toward the middle and then keep turning to the right, you'll find these books right there toward the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And so we want to be in Matthew uh, chapter 3, and uh, of course, uh, those uh, you'll find that the chapter number is the bigger number, and then today we just want to read uh, verse 1 through 12. So this is the second Sunday of Advent, last Sunday was the first Sunday of Advent, and that word only means uh, the coming, the coming. And so as a church, we celebrate uh, every year these Sundays leading up to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and His birth. And so last Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent, always speaks about the second coming of Jesus. And so we celebrate His first coming by looking at His second coming. On the second Sunday of Advent each year, we not only watch for the coming of the Lord, but now we turn, we learn to repent. That's the Bible word. We turn from ourselves, we turn from the things that we're trusting in, and we put our faith and trust into the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this year, the reading happens to be out of Matthew chapter number three, verse one through verse 12. So as I read for us, Would you follow along uh, silently as I read publicly for us today? Verse number 1. Now in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one who referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make His path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair, and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him, all of Judea and all of the district around Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear the threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we ask now that you would put your blessing upon the reading of the Word of God. And I think I can speak alongside of all the rest of us here today that we are so thankful for these All the work and effort that has gone in by all of these wonderful people who play and sing and rejoice as we worship You, and they lead us in worship. And Lord, I pray now that as we gather around Your Word, You would open our hearts, member and visitor alike, saved and lost, that we would pay attention this morning, and that we would learn from You. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago on Facebook, my cousin Christina, she read here a little while ago. I love her. She's a health nut. She runs these marathons and, and uh, eats all kind of health food. She tried to make soybean brownies one time, and it was tough for me to handle it. I saw on, uh, I saw on Facebook that she had put up there that she had made cauliflower tater tots. Now, you know, that's heresy to begin with, Right. The only good tater tot is one that is hot, potatoes, and crusty, and smothered in cheese and chili. That is a tater tot to the glory of Jesus. Sacrilegious. She put up on her Facebook that cauliflower tater tots are a game changer. I do not often respond to people's posts, but I felt it necessary to tell her that no. No. Cauliflower tater tots are not a game changer. We use that phrase in our society today that something was a game changer, that something changed. I put in the bulletin today as you follow along that this changes everything. Well, I will tell you that cauliflower tater tots do not change everything, but what you have experienced this morning and what these dear people are singing about is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ who is born into the manger and born from the Virgin Mary, born into this world to take the sins of human beings just like us today and die on a cross to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to give us an eternal home in heaven. I tell you on the authority of God's Word today, this truth changes everything. Everything. The biblical word for this Changes Everything is the word that we read in these 12 verses again and again and again. I think repeated at least three times. It is that wonderful word of repentance. And if you're joining us here today, or maybe you've been in church for a while, and you say, okay, that word, it just seems to be Christian-ese. ease. Is, is a word that I don't know. What does the word repentance mean? Well, we want to talk about that today because the second Sunday of Advent is always a time of repentance. It is always a time where we recognize that when Jesus was born into this world, it is a truth that came into our lives, a reality that changes everything. So first of all, I would say, what is repentance? Repentance is simply meaning in verse number 2 he says that when John came preaching, and did you notice John, he has this camel's hair coat on and a leather belt around his waist and his food is locust and wild honey. He has some sort of bizarre combination between Bear Grylls and Andrew Zimmerman. This guy coming out of the wilderness begins to preach to the people, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The biblical concept of repentance is this God-given gift to people whereby there is a fundamental change in the way that we think that affects the way that we live our lives. When Jesus was born into this world, John goes about preaching and shouting and preaching to the people that Jesus has come. And because He has come, our lives must change. The way we think and the way we live and the way we have been going on about our own lives must come to a change. It is a complete turnaround in our soul whereby we say the way we have been living, the way we have been thinking, what we have been doing, we must stop and change and follow Him. It is a complete turnabout in our lives whereby we stopped trusting ourselves and we start trusting Jesus Christ. It is a change of paradigm. It is as if uh, in uh, Stephen Covey's book where he tells the story about being on the subway system and there he is after a long day of work and he's riding and there's a man with his two children there on the subway and the children are going crazy. They're running about and causing problems and the man that is on the train, he's worked all day, he is so angry, he is so upset, in his mind he is continually saying, why can't you get your children together? Why can't you keep them from being so loud? Why are you letting them ruin everybody else on this train? And finally, all of the anger and resentment builds up into him until he yells at the man who is the father of these two children. And the man looks at him as if to come out of some sort of drunken stupor and says, I'm so sorry, we just found out that their mother has terminal cancer and she'll die before the year's over. And the fundamental paradigm shift that is taking place in your mind and my mind as we ride along that train with Him is the same repentant turning about that happens when Jesus came into the world for us. We are going about our own way, doing our own thing, and the call to repent is the call for every human being in this room today to stop going your direction and to turn around and to follow God through Christ Jesus. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what you must do is repent, And turn from your own way of thinking and you being the king of your own life and you must make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. But can I say to all of our brothers and sisters that are in here of every age and every background, you too must change. Repentance and faith is not simply a one-time choice, although it is. It is a daily battle in our life where we turn from trusting ourselves to putting our confidence And faith in Jesus. Confucius said that every journey of a thousand miles begins with the first footstep. And so I would say to all of us today: repentance is that first turn whereby God has given us a gift in our life that we see Christ coming into the world to save those who believe, and we turn from ourselves and we put our faith in Him, but it must not stop there. Every day of our lives, we turn from ourselves and we turn to Jesus. That's what repentance is. And secondly, as we think about repentance, we would say, well, why? why? Why do I need to repent? Why does this message come down? Well, in verse number 2, and again at the end, uh, the, uh, the author here, he writes and he says, repent for, why? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What is the kingdom of God? Well, anything that has a kingdom simply means that it has a rule, it has a reign, and so the kingdom of God is the range of God's effective will, whereby what He wants done is done. Do you remember when Jesus teaches His disciples to pray, how does He begin? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven The kingdom of God is the range of God's effective will in the world and in our lives. God has broken in to this world through the birth of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in a unique and in a wonderful way whereby He had not done previously God comes into the world as a baby in the manger, simultaneously cooing in the arms of His mother and ruling the world at the same time. God and man in one person, born into the world to bring us redemption. When we take our minds and our hearts and we start to think about Christmas, we must understand that we are celebrating and looking to the coming of the Savior of the world. And some of you in here today, you've been living life your own way. And it's not worked out for you. You have shame and guilt, and you're shot through with failure. And we cover it up, and we sing songs with great sentimentality, but deep on the inward parts of our lives, we know that we've messed life up. And the good news of the coming of Jesus Christ is that God has made a way so that if you'll turn from trusting yourself and turn from your own way of living and believe on Jesus Christ, He'll give you new life and new purpose and a new heart, and He'll wash away all of your sins and give you an eternal home in heaven. The good news of the manger is the good news that God has visited His people, and it is available to you right here on this very day. Trust Jesus and step into the new reality of his kingdom. The coming of Jesus should cause us to turn in our minds and change our actions so that he becomes the Lord of our life. A few months ago, well, I'd say the so last several months, I, I've kind of been messing around with my wife Connie a little bit because one day I came home and uh, she told me, she said, Daisy, that's our dog, Daisy was out in the backyard and Daisy was barking up a storm. She said, I stepped outside the back door and there was a wolf in our yard. That's the reaction I had. I said, yeah, baby been drinking a little bit. I love the sand. I didn't believe it. No wolf. What are you talking about? I said, baby, it's a husky. There's a husky in the neighborhood. There's a big dog, something like that. No, there was a wolf. There was a wolf. And in my heart, you know, I don't even know if I said this out loud, but I thought, well, I'll tell you what. If there was a wolf out there, I'd step out and I'd save Daisy and I'd kick that thing right in the chest. <laughs> this morning... Long before the sun came up, I woke my dog up and took her for a walk. And I saw coming out around the back of our neighbor's house a wolf. (laughs) And brother and sister, if it wasn't a wolf, it was the closest thing that I've ever seen in my life to a wolf. And you know what? I didn't pick my dog up and kick that wolf in the chest. I grabbed my dog and ran back to the house. (laughs) I tell you that to tell you this that is repentance. In my heart and mind, I did not believe there was a wolf. And because I didn't believe there was a wolf, I made up all of my own beliefs in all of my own way. And I was convinced in my heart that I knew and that I had all of my trust and all of my power in my ability and all that I could do. But when I was faced with the reality of the wolf kingdom, it changed everything in my mind, in my heart, And in my actions. So let me put this question to you this morning. Has the truth of Jesus Christ being God's Son, coming into the world, dying for your sin, being raised again, alive, flesh and bone, and coming again to rule the world, fundamentally changed your thought life and action life, whereby you have turned from trusting yourself and given everything over to Him as the Lord of your life. Have you done that for the first time? Have you done that every day this week? Are there things in your life that in light of the coming of Jesus in the manger, you must change. What does repentance look like? Let me just give you these last two and we'll be finished. What does repentance look like? If you were to look back at that text, you can see a perfect picture. You know what it doesn't look like? The Sadducees and the Pharisees that come, and all they are is spectators. They just want to observe church. They want to observe religion. They want to observe the crazy guy that has the leather double-breasted camel's hair suit on. They want to observe all of that. No, it doesn't look like that. And then what does John say to them? It doesn't matter whether you're a child of Abraham. I can raise up believers from the stones. Your heritage, your proxy the family you're in, your wealth, your church experience, none of that will ever take you into the arms of heaven. What does it look like? The people went out to John confessing their sins and believing on the Messiah that was coming. What are the consequences? What are the consequences of not turning and believing Jesus. John says at the end of this book or at the end of this chapter two metaphors. He says the axe is already laid to the root and he says that the son of man stands with his winnowing fork or his fan and he is uh, taking out the chaff. He is beating the wheat and that which is true will remain and that which is not will be taken away and burned up with unquenchable fire. Consequences of not truly turning in your heart from trusting yourself to trusting Jesus is eternal fire and judgment. So, we celebrate the coming of the Lord Jesus as the baby Christ Jesus. And that same baby in the manger will grow to be the man on the cross. And one day He will come again as the King and the Judge of all eternity. Has that truth of Jesus' coming caused you to turn in your heart from everything else and to throw all of your confidence and faith and trust in Jesus alone? And to the believers in this room, do you really believe what we're talking about? And what in your life do you need to let go of and let loose of and trust Christ with? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? In just a moment, we'll begin back into a time of singing. I just think maybe it'd be an opportunity, a quiet spot to pray. There's nobody looking around. You might not have had a chance to pray this week, you might not have had a quiet enough week to be able to pray. Why don't you just pray where you are right now? If you're in this room, maybe you're visiting us, or maybe you've been here a long time, but right in your heart you say, you know what, that was pretty clear and and, and pretty striking that Jesus really did come and He really did die and He really did raise from the dead and it hasn't changed my life. I know the truth, but it hasn't changed me at the core. Right where you are, I just want to urge you to talk with God He's in this room right now and He'll hear you. And you confess to Him right now that you are a sinner and you believe that Jesus died and rose again for your sins and you want Him to be the Lord of your life. And to the believers in this room, All this week, I've been sitting with this sermon in my heart. There are areas in all of our life where yes, we've taken that first step. We have turned and believed. But every day of my life, there are areas that I need to once again turn from and to give Christ Jesus control over. I want to encourage you to do that. And if for the first time today, right where you are, you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just ask Him. We want you to stay behind today after the service and talk with me or Jamie or Brian, one of the leaders here. You share with us the decision you have made in your heart and we will walk alongside with you and help you to grow in Christ Jesus. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcralee.com.